If you believe that living your best life includes being your own boss, then you've got to try FreshBooks. FreshBooks makes creating and sending invoices, organizing your expenses, and tracking your hours the easiest part of your day. Go to freshbooks.com slash girlboss for your free 30-day trial. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Start building your website today at squarespace.com. Enter offer code girlboss at checkout to get 10% off. Squarespace, build it beautiful. Hey guys, and welcome to another installment of Girl Boss Radio. I'm Sophia Amoruso, the founder of Nasty Gal and the author of Girl Boss. Today is the day that the Courtney Love collaboration drops on nastygal.com. Each week on this podcast, I talk to different women who I think are interesting, who I have something to learn from, who I hope you have something to learn from. I'm trying to collect a more diverse group of people from different industries, different locales. I really like to do it in person, so it's been a lot of people that I know in Los Angeles or just people that are in Los Angeles because it's a very different conversation over the phone. We'll see how that evolves, but um, we have some really great people coming in the next few months, and it really feels like this podcast is getting better week over week, just a lot more natural. You know, Interviewing people is a completely new skill, so thanks for bearing with me. Today's guest is Christine Barbrick, but first, my friend Liz Carey at the Liz Carey on Instagram. She has some boogers on her fingers right now that she's wiping <laughs> on her tights. Way to go. Uh, she's an actor, comedian, and writer, and someone that turns into Sorry. a total freak when we're together, and so do I. So we're going to talk about our week, our weekend, or lack thereof, and yeah. our girl boss moments. Thanks for being here, Liz. Thanks for having me, Sophia. It's been a while since I've seen you. Yeah, what, six hours? Something like that. Last night was interesting. It was... Um it was a party, all right. Oh, my God. A party that starts at 10 o'clock. I think I'm too old. The vibes in there were weird. Were they? I There were just no vibes. It just felt like kind of yeah. like there was no place to like really be and It was stay. a lot of people in one formation. Yeah, and I wanted to dance. It was day 22 of my 21-day cleanse. So yeah. I tried some champagne. Yeah. And I have a raging migraine Do you? Today. Yeah. I got a migraine medication today that we called it in. I would for the have brought first you one. Time. I don't, I've never taken any. I have some in my bag. But I have like, I get a migraine like once a month. So it's you do? time to actually, yeah. What do you take? Excedrin migraine. Oh. It I works have, sometimes. I have real, so I have my the hard really part. hurts right now. Okay. How was your week? What did I do this week? Not I didn't lot. have a weekend. So it's like day nine of my seven-day week or something. I don't know. It's been weird. I revert when I don't have my son. I pretend that I'm 14. Uh-huh. And I have no food in the fridge. Oh. And I have cereal with no milk. <laughs> and I sit around in my underwear. But he comes home today, so all that's going to change. Oh. Yeah. How many? It's been like 10 days? 10 days. That's a real long time. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, I feel like we had more fun last night getting ready for the party than we did at the party. I agree. Mm-hmm. I agree. It's weird. So just for the record, what we did was we went to the Chateau Marmont yeah. for the WME after Golden Globes after party. It's true. We did get you there know, at 11. People walking around with awards and we're just like the scuzz buckets who get invited to the after party. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's it's worth a gander. And I know, yeah. you know, it's work. WME is the agency that helped me sell the book. And help me wrangle the second one. Do I keep looking at your boobs? No, I'm like, I just noticed that I'm sitting as a news commentary. I like love a, your dress. You do? Yeah. You look great. Oh, thanks. Yeah. 
I mean, at least my nails got did. Your nails got and done. And I can ride that out for the rest of the week. I have last night's hair today, so that made Monday That's a little good. easy. And now that I've been clean for 21 days, I just yeah. feel like so acutely aware and like not, I'm not like cool. Like I can't hang. I'm like the princess in the pea or something. I'm just like, <laughs> that's, that's how I was when I was doing my thing. I have a rash on my neck. I'm yeah. sensitive. What is this? Like, and when then we went like, I- this is loud. It's yeah. too loud in here. Let me try drinking. And that, it still didn't work. Yeah, you had, what, two glasses of champagne? Like a couple glasses of champagne. And I went home and I was just like, I was tired, but it wasn't, it didn't affect me. That's like, like when my I body, went, it was like a foreign thing. Yeah. Remember when I went karaoke with you guys? And you were sober? Yeah. Now do you remember my pain? And at midnight, I was like, I can't. I got to go. I was really impressed that you even made it's, it that far. It's hard. Also, you pick up on like your, you know, people drinking <sighs> when you're super sober and you're like, wow, you're super annoying. Oh, yeah. Ooh, ooh. I got hit on by this guy from Narcos. Oh. Was the, I there for that? Um, oh, yeah. I Floyd. Think it was. Yeah. Floyd. I was like, really? I was like, mm, oh. kind of flattered. Yeah. But that's so disinterested. You know, it's just like, I Googled. He's 34, so he's not too young. But he I might love as well it. You're be like, 12. I Googled. I Googled, you know. I didn't know who he was. I was like, you're attractive, but mm-hmm. my husband's more attractive. Mm. And I'm not interested. Mm-mm. I just didn't have a reason to be there last night. I mean, I do. Yeah. I did. You know what is funny when you said you Googled that guy? Uh-huh. I was talking to a friend who shall remain nameless about the dating world, it's kind of a bummer that you can Google every single thing. Like who they used to date. Well, you can just like, by the time you get on the date, you're like, so how's your Aunt Mary holding up? And they're like, what? What? You're like, oh, sorry, I'm kidding. I mean, you can find out. You shouldn't. You can find out everything. And I'm really going to talk to people. I don't want to do it anymore. I've been doing that. My assistant's leaving. Mm-hmm. And I've been interviewing people, and I'm like stalking them on social media. It's, yeah, I mean, I've actually tempting. requested people who have private profiles Mm-mm. who know they're getting interviewed. I'm like, can I see your? You're like, it's I'm so creepy it. and probably unprofessional, but you know, it's just like you get to know like people in their lives, and <laughs> probably not very appropriate. Definitely not. I think it's appropriate if you're hiring somebody. I'm just saying, I think it takes the romance out of a date. And then I had a conversation with somebody because I got married when I was 19, like a brilliant choice. And back then there was no like texting. There was no Googling. Just love, just pure love. It was super romantic. And he would, we would write letters. Namaste. My light to your light. The romance was there. And it was so sweet. I didn't know anything about him. (laughs) Oops. Yeah. Well, seven year run. That's not bad. That's pretty good. Let me tell you about my weekend. Saturday morning, I left my home at 3.30 in the morning. Oh, yeah. I forgot about this. I got on a flight to Atlanta. I was in Atlanta in the afternoon and showered, got ready, and did an event called Glam University. It was called, like, Girl Power Sleepover. This amazing girl got out of prison, like, a year ago and has had three of these events and has, like, a consulting business and basically just... And I realized when she was in prison that a lot of the women in prison are there because they lack resources. And when you are kind of put in a corner, you can resort to some of the wrong things. And so she, it was really all about like female entrepreneurship. A lot of female entrepreneurs from Atlanta there. It was really, really cool and inspiring and just like way too fast. You know, I flew home at yeah, that was a lot at a 8 a.m. on Sunday and got to L.A. at 1130 and then. You know, was out with you until 2 a.m. So, and 
I went to Heath Ceramics. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, like the 30 I something that. I am. Yeah. Purchasing some saucers for mm. my teacups. Uh-huh. And got um ooh a nice little handle that I can put on a cast iron pan without burning my hand. Oh nice, nice, nice. And uh, you know all the kinds of things uh-huh. that us uh, girl bosses do when yeah. we have a half an hour to spare on a Sunday. And I love that store between point A and point B. Anyway, yeah, it's a great store, and I had a store credit, so I was like, ooh, shopping, you know, for retail therapy with no retail involved. Yeah. And this girl was helping me, and I looked like complete shit. I just exercised. My hair was just like a mess. I had no makeup on. I did not look like whatever I'm supposed to look like. This girl was helping me, and she was trying to look at my store credit, and she was like, what's your last name? I was like, Amoruso, A-M-O-R-U-S-O, whatever. And she kind of just looked perplexed, and she was like, "Um, okay, I finally got it. I was trying to place you. Your voice is really familiar, and you look kind of familiar. But I was like, what? And she was like, oh, I listened to your podcast. And so, yeah, people have been like, I love Nasty Gal and maybe like knew who I was or they were like, I read your book. Right. But it was the first time someone was like, I recognize your voice. And I was like, thank you. (laughs) Thank you. I'm Sophia Amoros. I was like, thank you. A girlfriend of mine. That is cool. She sent me a funny email. She goes, I just downloaded Girl Boner Radio. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) we give girls boners for their lives. Which I thought was a really good email. Title. I like Girl Boner Radio. <laughs> well, that'll be your show because you're the dirty one. I'm like a weird, your weird prudish friend. You know, we asked for your hashtag Girl Boss Moments on Girl Boss Twitter, Girl Boss Instagram. You can follow me, Sophia Amoruso. And we read our listeners' mm-hmm. Girl Boss Moments on the podcast, the ones we think are the best and most interesting and possibly the most funny. Or, this, just you know, me, this just made whatever. me laugh. Yeah. So Eleanor Hurst tweeted at us, shaved my legs today. Hashtag girlboss moment of the week. Congratulations, Eleanor. Uh, Did you put pants on after that? (laughs) Probably. It's kind of cold outside, right? It's all right. I wasn't sure about this one. She said tall's balls. Talia? Talia? Sure. Uh, Asking a boy out on a date and paying. No, girl. (laughs) (laughs) No, girl. You at least have to split it, I think. I don't know. I don't know. I was driving over here and I was like trying to figure out my angle on that one. I was like, hmm, I'm stumped. It depends on the boy and depends on the girl. If you felt good about it, good. Then it's your girl boss moment. I can't fuck with your girl boss moment. Yeah, that's your moment. My moment is when I get taken out and somebody buys me dinner. (laughs) (laughs) Brittany Haas says, 2016 hashtag girl boss moment, becoming an NYC Fash Fellows and a finalist for the Forbes 30 under 30. I only have one more year to make the list feeling confident. I'm sure you will. That's a good list to be on. I I was one of the judges this year for the Forbes 30 under 30 in like the style category. Oh, you were? Yeah. I feel very honored. Uh, Joyce Cowell says, <laughs> getting my finances organized and starting an ISA for a house deposit. Hashtag girl boss moment. That's yeah, amazing. That's amazing. That's like gro- some grown up shit. <clears throat> Scarlett Clark, you know you're an adult when a celebration means a bubble bath with a glass of wine. Totally. You know you're an adult when you just look forward to getting in your own bed. You know you're an adult when you just want a nap. All the time. Alicia Pollock says, passed my state board exam and got my aesthetics license. Cool. Oh, good. Can we get facial? Hashtag, yeah. Hashtag, do you have an oxygen blower you can bring into the Oh, yeah. Can you room? spray my face can with you some spray us? amazing stuff? Um, I'm 21 in fashion school, and I'm beginning to realize that I create my own good luck. Hashtag girl boss moment. That one's my favorite. That's cute. Because it's true. You can, you know, there's a big piece in the New York Times 
maybe a week or two ago about um, how you can create serendipity in your life, mm-hmm. how you can become a person who makes good things happen and and that there's people that those things happen for and to yes. more than others because they put things together or seek things out or whatever anyway. You're one of those people. I try. You're, a, you're a glass half full. A little bit. I'm, I'm just always shaking the glass looking for something other than water. I, I try to be more positive, but then I wonder what my comedic life would be like. <laughs> I think I'd have a career. Probably a little too positive. Yeah. Nobody really um, wants to stand up and hear about all your positive shit. I got a dude boss moment. Oh. My dude boss moment is to fresh out my mind with Girl Boss Podcast on the first day off. 200 days left to retire from Marine. <gasps> Hashtag girl boss moment. Huh. That's cool. Awesome, dude boss. <laughs> What's his name? Yuchi Su. That's awesome. Do you have a girl boss moment this week? <clears throat> yeah. Mine's about focus. I realize that I do too many things at one time. And um, that's not where I excel. I need to start categorizing. So I had a little moment actually with you yesterday. You and I were texting about something and then I was doing something completely different on the computer. And I realized that I spread myself really thin. I'll do like seven or eight things at one time. And then I wonder at the end of the night why I'm completely pulling my hair out. So I'm going to start making time and then like shutting my phone off for certain periods of time. Yeah, that's smart. In the day so that I can write or spend time with, you know, my son. So my moment is, uh, I don't know if that's a moment, but yeah, I'm going to start focusing. Yeah, I think that's a good one. Yeah. It's hard. It's really really hard. hard. And it's a good thing to want to do at the beginning of the year. So, I mean, I guess my girl boss moment would be... Being patient with like recruiting my next assistant Mm -hmm. because I think I have a tendency to be a little hasty and I like to just have closure and I want to just find someone right now and be Mm -hmm. like, that'll be fine. You know, cool. Yeah. I really want to find the right personality fit. I want to find someone who can be with me for a while, who really enjoys the role and isn't just doing it because they know that they can do it, but is excited about what I'm working on and girl boss and nasty gal and wants to learn. And I kind of like the idea of a dude assistant for you for some reason. Yeah, that it would be interesting. Interesting dynamic. Also sounds like a like a sitcom. <laughs> uh-huh. Also doubles as a bodyguard. Yeah. Thank you, Liz. Thanks for having me. I'll see you next week and up next we have Christine Barbaric, the editor-in-chief of Refinery29 and the co-author of Style Stalking. Girl Boss Radio is about empowering our listeners to become bosses of their own lives, which is why I'm super excited to welcome FreshBooks as our sponsor. If you're a freelancer or entrepreneur, FreshBooks wants to help you run your own small business like a boss. To start with, FreshBooks makes creating and sending invoices ridiculously easy. And by easy, I mean it takes literally less than 30 seconds to create and send a polished professional invoice. To help get started, FreshBooks is offering a month of unrestricted use to all of our listeners, totally free right now, and you don't need a credit card for the trial. To claim your free month, go to freshbooks.com slash girlboss and enter girlboss in the how did you hear about us section. If you haven't already noticed, we talk about being a boss and working hard a lot on the show. And to do that, you need not only determination, but you also need the right tools. Squarespace is here to help. I used Squarespace to help me build the Girlboss website so I know firsthand how effective their service is. 
Squarespace gives you the tools you need to build a beautiful website that looks professionally designed regardless of your skill level. Your website will be up and running in no time, and plus, you get a free domain if you sign up for a year. Start your free trial today at squarespace.com. And when you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure to use the offer code GIRLBOSS to get 10% off your first purchase. Squarespace, build it beautiful. Okay, so let's get to the interview. Christine Barbaric is the global editor-in-chief and co-founder of Refinery29. Before founding Refinery29, she held roles at Gourmet Magazine, The Daily, and The New Yorker, and was founding editor of the ASME-nominated design and fashion magazine, City. Her writing has appeared in The New York Times, Travel and Leisure, Dwell, and New York Magazine, among other publications. Christine, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. I like putting on my radio voice. Is it, doesn't it sound cool to like yeah. have like a crispy, nice voice in your ears? It is, but then you hear it actually recorded and you're horrified. It's like seeing a picture of yourself sometimes and you're like, oh my God, is that me? I know. Yeah, I know. we can never really truly see ourselves. No, we can't. <laughs> <laughs> I was saying namaste on, on last week's podcast, so almost kind of like in a snarky way, but I mean it. Anyway, we actually did a portrait of a girl boss with you in my book, and it's always nice to be read to. It's kind of like a comforting thing, and I was hoping you could read your excerpt from Girl Boss. Oh my gosh, I would love to. Cool. I was very, very honored to be included in your book. Oh, I know you. There's a lot of girl bosses in your life. I was so happy to be more picked. and more. Thank God. I hope this isn't embarrassing. I always knew I wanted to be a writer and an editor. There never was a choice. It's all I ever wanted to do. My first real publishing job was as an assistant at The New Yorker, but my editorial training happened at Gourmet Magazine. In terms of striking out on my own and being brave in my convictions, I learned that mostly by being freelance. I don't think you can truly know what you're made of until you are in charge of your days. How you use that time and the work you pursue teaches you so much about who you are and what you can become. It's possible I figured out what I wanted to do by people telling me I couldn't or shouldn't do it. It's really astounding how discouraging people can be, especially if it's something that seems particularly risky. But you know risk can be thrilling. I've often made hard career choices based on how scared I was of the opportunity. When the stakes are high, I'm talking cataclysmic level change, success, or failure. Sometimes you just have to jump screaming the whole fucking way. I can't believe I curse there. I don't. I know, right? Shameful. I don't know if there is any greater feeling than proving you are your own biggest advocate and all that noise out there is seriously just, oh my God, another swear word, bullshit. My mom is the hardest worker I know. She taught me that showing up is the most important part of any role and of course my team inspires me hourly. It is because of them that I read a lot and never ever take anything for granted. Simply by being so smart and curious, they inspire me to be an excellent editor, a courageous leader and someone who motivates them to create cool and special stuff. When you're collaborating with other people, it's important to know what you don't know and to find the best person in that area to teach you. Be a leader, even in teams of one, because in the beginning there's a lot of that. You have to listen, really listen, and root for other people's success. That's a big one, because it won't always be you, but eventually it will be. For me, creativity isn't just in my work. It's how I think and live my life. It's not necessarily about always creating something new, but simply having the space and freedom to let something special happen. It's how I bring beauty and joy into my surroundings and my relationships. I like to be challenged. Seeing or reading something that opens my eyes or gives me chills is the whole point of everything. My advice to aspiring girl bosses. 
colon, as hard as it is, stop caring so much about what other people think. Find a way to hear what you want, recognize what is your dream, and then put everything you have into that. Your work, your relationships, the relationships you surround yourself with, the food you put in your body, everything you have control over in your world should feed that dream and make you feel like a girl boss. That's so good. I haven't read that in so long. I need to reread my book, My Mom's my mom's Parting Advice Over the Holidays. I feel like my work is done here. was like, yeah, done. Sorry. Th- Christine, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. Take care. <laughs> my mom's advice to me was like, honey, you need to reread your own book. Like basically like take your own advice. I think that's actually like, a really wow. amazing piece Thanks, of advice. Yeah. So go back and it's read, really like, sweet. Yeah. And I had didn't. I haven't done it yet. But I don't well. think she meant it in a judgmental no, way. No, not at all. It was no. just like back to basics or like I think there's probably parts of it that you know maybe didn't really sort of come through as like being really really enlightening and I think having a different perspective or now having perspective of having launched the book and becoming a bestseller and now it's prompting all of this amazing you know sort of growth I think you could have a different perspective as the subject of the book and also as the author totally there's stuff that most of it I, I think I'd still agree with and there's stuff I've learned where I'm like that maybe that isn't as true as I thought it was and That'll be the third book, I guess. But I'm not really brown-nosing or anything, but I've read a lot of business books. Obviously, running businesses, you you don't just have to, but you want to. And, and yours was really, really good. Thank you. It's really good. It's one of the best ones I've ever read. Wow. What are some of your other favorite business books? I mean, I love that Paul Arden book. I mean, it's so cliche. But What's it's, it called? It's called It's Not How Good You Are, It's How Good You Want to Be. Uh-huh. I think he was the longtime... CEO of, I want to say Saatchi and Saatchi. Oh, it's that little one. It's a little The book. little visual yeah. pithy. It's good. There's it's a, like a very gifty. It's very gifty, but it's also, it's. That's so cool. What's special about it is he takes, you know, practical business advice and he kind of applies it to life. It's not just, mm-hmm. and I think that, I think all the best entrepreneurs really approach their businesses like that. They're not just exclusively businesses. They're these opportunities that, you know, relate to your life and who you are as a person. And one of the things that he talks about, it's always stayed with me. It was, he said that never, ever present an idea completely finished because then people immediately want to reject it because they don't feel even on on a subconscious level that they had anything to contribute to it. That's really interesting. People want to participate in an idea, in a business, in a movement. They want to feel like they're a part of it. And if they don't feel like they're a part of it, they might be more inclined to Mm -hmm. reject it. So let's go back to the beginning. Did you always want to be an editor? Did you go to college for journalism? How did you get your start? I always wanted to be an editor. You know, obviously when I was, you know, really young and even like an early teenager, I didn't really know what editors did. It seemed like a really cool job, you know, movies that, you know, had editors in them. I remember seeing All the President's Men for the first time in the newsroom in the Washington Post. And I was like, yeah, that's so exciting. I want to do that. Yeah, I want to like totally break Watergate as a story. <laughs> no. I mean, your first um, job was at The New Yorker. That's pretty It wasn't decent. officially my first job. I actually had a job for about nine months before that. Actually, Officially, my first job right out of college was as an assistant manager at The Gap um, Mm -hmm. while I was interviewing and taking the train in from Long Island from my parents' house two hours each way. 
until I got my first, my foot in the door at a, at a publishing company. But my first job was launching a personal finance magazine called Worth for nine months. And then oh, I got the job at the New Yorker. That's a really expensive magazine. Is it still around? Yeah. Fidelity Investments owned it at the time. And it was... Um, I don't really get it. But I, I was, bought it because I was like, oh, I, th- I want, may I have a little money now. Maybe I need to read these things. Totally need to read but that. But I was like, what? It's just like the best advisors in the country. And it's like 20 pages of wealth managers. And I'm like, eh, this is boring. It doesn't really speak to women. Well, I, at the time, None of sure them it didn't speak, speak to, to women. women. Yeah, exactly. And then I got this you know, incredible call from the New Yorker that they had somebody, an assistant that was out on maternity leave, and there was a three-month gap that they needed to fill. So I took the job knowing that it wasn't a permanent job, but it was the New Yorker, and just to be in that office was a dream come true. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was beautiful. It was when it used to be on 43rd Street, um, across the street from the Algonquin. How old were you? I was 23. That's so cool. Yeah, I was 23, and it was, it was really extraordinary. One of my jobs... This is so funny. Not a lot of people know this. Was managing the New Yorker suite at the Algonquin, and it was so funny. It's super old school. It had like this sort of three ring binder, and I would just keep track of you know important clients and and different people that came into town that we would extend this amazing suite to. Is it that called was, a tickler file? Someone was telling me that. That like, sounds cool. That's like a thing in hospitality where you like run your, you kind of basically tickle the files to like find stuff. I've never heard that before. Anyway, I interrupted you. It sounds pretty cool though. Pretty good at interrupting. That's okay. It's your radio show. You do whatever the fuck you want. Um, so I got to keep track of this, um, who was coming and going from this suite. And the funny thing was that nobody ever used it. Everybody that came into town wanted to stay at their own hotels. So I had access to this amazing suite and my boss at the time, because I was commuting in from Long Island, like a million hours, he would let me stay there and I would sleep in this incredible suite in the Algonquin and have breakfast Mm. in the Oak Room and be surrounded by all these amazing. Where's the Algonquin? It's on 43rd Street, I think, 43rd or 44th. It's like a historic hotel. Yeah, it's a legendary hotel where where Dorothy Parker hosted her her amazing round table. I don't know if if you've ever heard anything about that, but it's a a really storied place for journalists and writers and editors. And Tina Brown was the newly appointed Mm. editor-in-chief there, and it was the first time the New Yorker started using um, photography. They'd brought Richard Avedon, who she referred to as Dick Avedon, um, on board to initiate that. And it was an incredibly pivotal time at that magazine. And I used to, I mean, it was like the only thing I read. I would just literally sit in the archives and read old magazines. I read everything by J.D. Salinger. He published all of his short stories in, in those magazines. You know, I think it was in the 50s. Anyway, it was an amazing time. I didn't end up losing my job when this secretary or assistant came back after maternity leave. In fact, I, I moved over to Condé Nast to work with the new CEO there as his personal assistant. And that was kind of the beginning of my entry into big business publishing. Speaking of reading, yeah. do you have any subscriptions to magazines? What, what magazines do you grab at an airport? What was the last good you book you read? Are, do you think that people are, think that we're lame by talking about magazine subscriptions? Because I do have some magazine subscriptions. No. I'm okay. a girl from Sacramento who started an eBay store with $200. And every girl with a laptop and a digital camera who maybe doesn't mm-hmm. like already subscribed to the New Yorker. Who knows? You know, I've, I'm sure a lot of our listeners do. We want to know. Yeah. You're interesting. 
Thank you. Um, that's really nice to hear. Yeah. Yeah, I do have some subscriptions to magazines. Um, obviously, I read a ton online, and I read a lot of the, the content that we run on Refinery29. I still am a, a loyal subscriber to British Vogue. I get a lot of inspiration from cool. that magazine. And Alexander cool. Shulman, who's the editor-in-chief, is a genius, in my opinion. I'm reading Carrie Brownstein's memoir right now. Oh, cool. Hunger Makes Me a Modern Girl. Yeah, I bought it. <laughs> You're going to love it. It's a really great memoir, and she's a spectacular writer. And I also just finished reading Patti Smith's M Train, which cool. is great, super comforting. Have that too. Really good. <laughs> Need to read it. And I'm just really into nonfiction. I love, cool. I Me still too. like, I read a couple of, it's so crazy. Not crazy, but it's sort of dorky, I guess. I love like old rock autobiographies and memoirs. Refinery was this like super niche, only fashion, only talking about fringy designers. Yeah. And it was kind of like where you go for what no one else is talking about, like in very New York centric. And mm -hmm. you guys have offices and internationally now. Was there an original idea that has evolved since then? Is there even like a phrase that was like Refinery29 is? And then you look back at what you said it was in 2008 compared to today, like, how has that evolved as you guys have, as, as media landscape has changed and as your opportunities change and as you've scaled? You know, the idea in the beginning to launch Refinery, you know, it was centered around this desire to create a platform for all of these incredible emerging boutiques and designers starting in New York and LA where this movement was really building the most and there was excitement around these these entrepreneurs and these proprietors that were creating these environments in their stores and these environments were attracting an audience you know small you know people that really related to what it was they were talking about but it was really different and it wasn't sort of like playing into these huge trends that were happening nationally or globally. And then we really saw an opportunity of like creating a, a digital platform that helped to create a means of discovery for a larger audience and helping them to sort of find their audiences too. So, and that really kind of escalated and blossomed into this, into this mission. And it was really about how people were taking ownership of their own point of view and that, expanded beyond fashion and, and personal style and shopping and was sort of reflected in beauty and home and travel and and that sort of independent thinking that pursuit of you know self-expression what's it like having co-founders what are the pluses and minuses of having co-founded a company with people now you know having been 11 years later there's so many bonuses to having great co-founders and I think it's like any important life giving and life-changing relationship like a marriage or a best friend or, you know, a parent, it's not always easy, you know, but I think that because myself, Piera, Philip, and Justin, we've all been very sort of connected on our focus of, of building the brand and really connecting with our audience with this mission of helping to empower them to you know, to express themselves and to be advocates for things and issues and, and things they love that they believe in, that's never wavered. And I also think that, you know, having a partner is really incredibly helpful because you can find people that complement you 
and that you can learn from and that you can observe and that you can really also bring something to. You know, it seems like when people comment and ask questions on refinery or have an opinion about a piece of content, I've always noticed that somebody responds thoughtfully. Yeah. You know, how do you think about your community? And and then on like the practical side, operationally, like how do you actually manage that volume and still get it right? You know, I remember myself and Piera, we were answering like every comment on every story mm -hmm. that we had on the site. We were able to do that and we can't do that anymore. And a lot of our editors can't do that, but we remind them. We actually don't even need to remind them. They know, you know, obviously if we're hiring the right people, they just care. They care if it's a story that, you know, has a really important message or, you know, someone's talking about something that's really sensitive, you know, we're always really careful to sort of check you know, these comment chains and find out what conversations are happening between readers, not even just with us. And I think it's that point of caring and being present because when you lose that, I really think that that's like the beginning of an end mm -hmm. for a business, mm -hmm. at least in this day and age, because it's so important that there are people that are touching the consumer or the user and people want to be heard. They want to feel like they're being heard. They want to feel like they're participating in, you know, what it is you're, you're creating. What's a normal day like for you? You wake up, what happens? Well, it's changed a lot over the, especially over the last few years. You know, our team has gotten really big and, um, it used to be that I would read every, every single story on our site and, um, at one point even edit everything on our site. Yikes. But now we have an incredible team that really oversees the day-to-day -day production of all of our content. But um, these days, there's a couple of, you know, sort of just personal rituals that haven't really changed much over the over the years. I still write my journal every day. It's how to start your day off right. You know, I don't know about anybody else, but I just really, I know it's not going to be a good day if there's not like a satisfying, you know, sort of like me time in the morning. Mm -hmm. Do you drink coffee, tea? I drink coffee. Yeah. Decaf, though. I am allowed to, lately, though, with the new year, I've been having one one caffeinated beverage a day. Oh. Everything else is decaf. So you have your ritual in the morning. Yeah, I like to, I get up really early. What time? I have a cat. What time? I get up usually around between 6 and 6.30. What time do you go to bed? I go to sleep early. Nine? I'm, I'm an old lady. I, 9.30? I mean, I love to be in bed by 9.30, but I'm usually, like, asleep by, like, 10.30, 10.45. We so don't have a TV. less than eight hours. Yeah, I'm a no laptop, no television in the bedroom kind of person. That's cool. My husband knows it's, like, basically off limits, no screens. Do you have any apps that you use to organize yourself? I use Evernote, but I'm not religious about it. That's where Pierre really has um, one up on me. She's like mastered the use of of maximizing her life through Evernote. I can't figure um, it out to save my life. I use it to store stories and slideshows and, and images and lists and things like that, but I don't refer to it every day. I mean, I still use a notebook for a lot of my lists and um, my, my journals are like scrapbooks. So it's like they be become sort of like this album of my or documentation of my daily life like I put all my movie stubs in there and wrist things it's from cool parties. me too I save I have boxes I have a few scrap I have like a few years left to I like the ephemera. I love scrapbooking yeah but not like the cat lady I mean you have a cat no offense but like the like lady who goes to <laughs> no the scrapbook store no just, I don't put like, any kind of like you know ruffles on it or anything like that. you don't like sew them 
no, together and there's put no like macrame. a bed skirt on it. <laughs> um, I love the idea of a journal with a bed skirt. <laughs> You have a mentor? I have a lot. Well, yeah, I do. I mean, doesn't everybody, I think. And I think that they change sometimes depending on where you are in your life. But Norma Kamali, the designer who I know you know, has been an incredible mentor to me over the years. And um, I met her on a shoot. And she's just the most down-to-earth, profoundly smart and interesting and modern woman. I mean, I don't throw that adjective around lightly. She's just, I just had lunch with her. We have lunch like probably every every two to three months in Midtown near her office. And she told me recently at lunch, and I'm sure she wouldn't mind me saying this, that she she reads a lot about wellness and different kinds of, I, I shouldn't even call them alternative, you know, health methods and different kinds of practitioners because it's it's obviously becoming so much more accepted. And she was telling me that she'd been reading a lot about how people, there's documentation that people can live or scientists have been researching that people can actually live to be 120. And she told me, she's like, I'm, I've decided I'm going to live to be 120. And I was like, wow, it's That's like, that amazing. is a commitment. So, um, yeah. Cool. And so she kind of lives her life in a very disciplined way, but she also has such a vision and about, you know, the kind of contribution she wants to make in the world. And I find that really inspiring. If there was one girl boss you could power brunch with, who would it be? Oh, boy. I mean, there's the obvious ones, like I would never sort of pass up a chance to, to have brunch with Oprah or Beyonce. But I'm obviously inspired by other women that are building businesses and brands that are really unique and actually have a real sense of purpose in the world. And they're also just building brands based on what they love and the way they want to run them. And I think that's really inspiring people like Claire Vivier and Rachel Comey. And I can't remember her name, but the woman behind Tatcha, that new skincare line. She's oh, yeah. so smart and so creative. And, and I really love what her line stands for. But I think, you know, probably someone like Anne-Marie Slaughter, who's, you know, she she wrote that incredible essay about, you know, what having it all really means and if women can really have it all. And she said something really interesting in an article that I had read a few months after that. Some an interviewer was asking her about, you know, obviously her strong ties to Hillary Clinton and like what that meant if she became president. And she said, you know, I I think it's really thrilling, you know, that she could be the first, you know, woman president. But what I think is more exciting is that she'll when she's in office, she'll be in her 70s. And to know that as a woman, you can peak, you know, later in life and really have that to look forward to. And I just remember thinking like, wow, I just like, I'm, I have chills even like repeating it to you right yeah. now. And I just like, when you see things, you know, from that vantage point and you know that this is a, you know, it's not about peaking in your twenties or thirties, the way that popular culture would want us to believe. And that sometimes things take time and that you're working towards a longer, a longer game. I think that that's like. That's really powerful. I agree. Do you have a lot of girlfriends? I have a lot of girlfriends. Don't you have a lot of girlfriends? You totally have a lot of girlfriends. I have a handful of girlfriends. Really? And I know a lot of girls and I know a lot of boys, but I keep a, I keep a good handful and I try to keep it tight. You got to keep it tight. I think that's the secret. And I, I think it's also, I think it's funny when I was younger, I, I don't know. It's not that I never really imagined getting married, but it was nece that wasn't necessarily like a means to an end. It wasn't necessarily like my end game. I thought it would be fun to experience it, but I just always imagined my life sort of surrounded by like my closest girlfriends who are still, I've had the same best friends for 
like 20 some odd years. That's the trick. Yeah, no, yeah. it's amazing. But I still love to sort of, you know, meet new women that are fun and interesting. And I feel like I have something in common with and, you know, you sort of feel like you're intersecting in life at a certain time when you have something important to share or learn from each other. And I kind of believe in those karmic patterns, especially with girlfriends. Is there a line that you draw where you're like, oh, hell no. Like, have you ever had to fire a friend? Yeah, I think it's really sad, but I think that it's okay to outgrow people. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I just think that, you know, if we're honest with ourselves about what we want to achieve in life and, and the kind of life we want and the kind of people that we surround ourselves with, there's sometimes, I think we've all had those friends where we feel an obligation to them, but we always come away from spending time with them feeling kind of shitty yeah. and feeling kind of bad about ourselves. And it's just like, oh, you why know, did why did I do that? And um, I know, so I don't do that anymore. Just like I don't wear uncomfortable shoes. I don't, I really try not to spend precious time since I have so little of it these days with people that don't nourish me. Christine, where were you when David Bowie died? Well, it was this morning. I was, I was in, you found her this morning. You went to bed early. I went to bed early. <laughs> yes. Because I'm on West coast time. Yeah. Yeah. But I was in bed with my best friend Eden in a very platonic way, but you know, we <laughs> still sleep in the same bed when I come and see her. And, um, I heard her phone go off her text and she got up and she was looking at her phone and and I just it was about 5 15 and and I asked if everything was okay and she just looked rolled over and she looked at me and she said David Bowie died and we both just sort of burst into tears and I could get emotional I thought about you knowing I was coming in to to do this radio show with you because I remember you know visiting you or not visiting you purposely but you know seeing you when I was in San Francisco a million years ago and I think, you know, you were one of the first people that like personally collected like old vintage rock t-shirts mm -hmm. and listened to old music, you know, that sort of preceded your generation mm -hmm. and as I have always done. And um, I thought about like, you know, I was like, oh my God, if Sophia asked me about this on the radio, I might cry because I still feel really emotional about it. And I heard this, you know, reporter on the radio on NPR on my way over here and he was talking about... They wanted to cap off the conversation and they said, you know, if you had to summarize, you know, what it was that, you know, David Bowie stood for, you know, how would you describe it? And he just said, I guess just create yourself. And I just started crying and sobbing in the back of this Uber. And I just think that, you know, what he contributed to art and music and humanity and yeah. just really sort of liberated so many people to just be themselves, whether that's considered weird. He was amazing. He was. He totally invented himself and he was a mime, you know, and I feel like there's a lot in his persona and personality that my husband actually possesses. It's kind of, I don't know, it's strangely personal. He, I feel like I kind of met David Bowie when I met my husband like 10, 13, 12 years ago. I had the pleasure of going to the David Bowie retrospective at the Victoria and Albert Museum when it was there. Oh my God, amazing. In London. And they had like the Kanzai, you know, jumpsuit and they had the cane from the labyrinth and they had like all of this incredible stuff. And I bought the book or whatever, but, um, yeah, David Bowie, I mean, I don't, you know, it's like the Beatles, whatever, you know, I love the stones, but like David Bowie's a freak in his own right. Yeah, he was amazing. So we have this um, 
thing called girl boss moments on the show. Uh-huh. It's just like, what did you do for yourself in the last week that makes you a girl boss? And it can be, I exercised, I took a bath and lit a candle or I, you know, finished something for work that I, you know, a project that I'd been doing for a year, whatever. Mm-hmm. So it, okay. what was your girl boss moment this week, Christine Barbaric? Oh gosh. That's a great question. And I feel like I should have a lot more, take a lot more care in securing my girl boss moments throughout the week. Um, it's okay. There's always another week. And so. it's true. There's always another week. Thank you for that reminder. I've been dancing. I do this sort of dance cardio workout. <laughs> I can't believe I'm talking about That's this, so but, cute. but I'm really proud of it. And, um, I, I do it with this with woman. You. <laughs> you should totally do it when you come to New York. It's so much fun. Katya Price, she has this company called Dance Body and, it's amazing and it's just been it's just been life-changing for me, you know, especially being a woman in her 40s and you know really like who starts dancing in their 40s, but I'm doing it and it's really fun and it's the best workout. And you know, when we do group classes and she's leading a class and she is like you can see when she sort of crosses over and just is in the zone and she's just like she barely touches the ground and it's super motivating and inspiring and that was one of the classes in the last week where I actually I like to usually stay in the second row so I can kind of see myself in the mirror but mm-hmm. this was a class where I was in the front row yeah I was like that right up good. close you know with the mirror there and you have to sort of face yourself and sort of like really like see how you're kind of like pulling off your moves and like how the choreography is looking, you know, and how your, how your other voices, you know, crop top looks. And it's just like, it's really amazing to just sort of appreciate yourself in those kinds of moments, especially when, you know, you're not exactly sure that you're doing it as well as you think you are in your mind. So, um, I'd say that was a pretty, a pretty awesome That's girl a really boss one. moment. What piece of advice do you have for someone who might want to work for a refinery or I guess work for anybody? And what's it like employing millennials? I think that, you know, we live in a world now where, you know, expressing yourself honestly and truly and and passionately is just really, it's everything. It is a form of currency in a way. So, I still answer personal emails that people send to me if they find my email on the website. If I answer them, if I can tell that they are telling me a story, they're, they're personalizing this, this note to me because they have a desire to either work with us or they want to just give me feedback about something, you know, that I've had to do with the company. You know, when I can sense their presence there and, you know, you get that in cover letters, you know, where you can really tell somebody put a lot of time and effort into mm-hmm. telling a story about who they are and why, you know, they're such a, a good fit for our company. Those are the people that I really look for and get excited about meeting. I love and a good cover letter. I love a well-written candidate. <laughs> oh, yeah. People that just go beyond the scope of expectation. Totally. You know, there's I still get. I still get stock cover letters and people spelling my name wrong and emails and, you know, people doing weird things like texting me cold, you know, Whoa. finding my, you know, it's just, it's, yeah, there are some things not to do, I would say, but I think writing a really heartfelt, creative approach to connecting with someone that you really admire in a company that you really want to work for is is great advice. Christine, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having it's me, so Sophia. nice to see you. It's good to see you too. Yeah. 
All right, that was Girl Boss Radio. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week, so please tune in. Our producer is Shara Morris. Thanks also to Laura Mayer and Andy Bowers at Panoply. And please let us know what you think of the show. You'll find us on Twitter at GirlBoss, on Instagram at GirlBoss. Our email address is podcast at girlboss.com. You can find me at Sophia, S-O-P-H-I-A-A-M-O-R-U-S-O on Instagram and Twitter. And if you like the show, please be sure to tell a friend and subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. And don't forget to leave us a rating or comment wherever you subscribe. It helps other people discover our show. Thank you also to the band Phases. Our theme song is from their song, I'm in Love With My Life, and my husband, Joel Jarek for the interstitial jam. I'm Sophia Amoruso. Talk to you next week. <laughs>